0: It is the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome in to y'all talk with a Southern accent. This is the show, my friends, that the South has put up on a pedestal and we talk about it. We are not ashamed of Dixie and we talk about what's going on from a news perspective, a political perspective, a business perspective, and all the other fun stuff like barbecue, SEC football, ACC football, which, by the way, we're going to have a big spotlight on that in just a few minutes with Jonathan Leifite of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital stopping by with an ACC report, including the Clemson Tigers. Are they going to be the national champs this year? We'll ask Jonathan about that in just a few. We also have other cool stuff like music featured. Oh, speaking of that, an hour or two of today's Y'all Show We will go straight to Music City, USA, and our friend Precious Harris will be right back here to talk all things country music and more. And we've got a lot of stuff that's come across on the country music front in the last couple of days that I've got to talk to Precious about. So we'll have all that coming up in hour two, both precious and hashtag hullabaloo. But music's just one of the many, many things here on the Y'all show that we love to feature. And we do that here on this show that's all about the South. John Rawl is the name, and we're glad that you could take a little time out here on this Wednesday to hear all about Dixie. If you want to reach us here, our number is 803-816-1170. And on the World Wide Web, our web address is yall.com. That's Y-A-L-L dot com. And you can go on Twitter and find us both on Twitter and on Instagram at show just making it so easy for you. We know you've got a lot of stuff on your radar. You're trying to knock out a few extra Christmas presents before, let's say, next week before it gets too out of control. Although you'd have to think with so many people purchasing gifts now online that do you think the foot traffic is down at all these retail places across the region? I would assume so and it certainly doesn't help when you have one of the premier shopping destinations in the south. The Galleria in Hoover, Alabama, still be under assault because of the horrible shooting that happened there on Thanksgiving night. I would not want to go to the Galleria. I bet you they're having a major, major problem there with getting customers to come out there because they've had protests. They've shut down the interstate there at the Galleria. If you live in the Birmingham, Alabama area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But again, no matter where you are, what part of the South you're in, shopping malls certainly seem to be a downward trending thing and and I guess Walmart is benefiting I don't think people are stopping uh, from going to their Walmart which reminds me I need to go there and sadly buy some Christmas gifts why Walmart well it's honestly probably the best place for what I'm looking to get for Christmas. so we hope you are getting all the things that you need accomplished whether it's shopping or getting your food stuff together if you're going to be cooking up a storm in the next few weeks getting ready for the holidays we are just glad that you have taken the time to listen to Y'all Show on radio stations and or on the Y'all Podcast, which you can get at you com, or go to Apple Podcasts in the iTunes area. You can go search for Y'all Show and we are right there absolutely free, the perfect gift for your loved ones. Share the Y'all Show with them and it's free. How many good Christmas gifts these days are free? Well, the Y'all Show is one of them. And we are glad that you, again, could be with us here. Looking at headlines from throughout the region, we told you about the winter storm that affected many southern states, that snowstorm that moved across Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia. Well, we now know at least three people have died as a result of this weekend weather storm. And now the count, it went down from 300,000 to 70,000 people now without power in these various southern states. Outages in North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, and Tennessee, East Tennessee primarily. And due to the icy roads and hazard schools in Virginia, North Carolina closed on Monday and Tuesday. And Georgia announced a late start for government workers there in the region of that state that had snow and ice issues. But we now know that three people have died, and most of those coming in the state of North Carolina, after people died in the icy and wintry conditions. A lot of snowfall. Some of it was pretty, though. We, I have to admit, it was really, really neat to see. I think Mount Mitchell in North Carolina, 34 inches of snow. Raleigh had 11 inches. Let's see, uh, White Top, Virginia, in the mountains, 24 inches. And West Virginia had about 20 inches. Kingsport, Tennessee, 12 inches of snow. That would be one foot of snow there in the Tri-Cities area of tennessee inman south carolina near spartanburg and near in in the upstate of south carolina 11.9 inches of snow so a good bit of snow dumped in that area of the east tennessee north carolina south carolina southwest virginia beautiful sight but again could have been very dangerous and was dangerous and we see that at least three people losing their lives with their storm moving throughout the area What a feel-good story we saw, if you saw this headline in Nashville, after some young children had been flown out to Disneyland, these children were all the children of people who died in combat, and they got a free flight to Disneyland, and when they returned in the Nashville airport, travelers stopped in their tracks to sing the national anthem for these children of fallen service members, and there's a video that's gone viral, I don't know if you've seen it, but what an awesome thing and it was for the gold star families they coordinated this along with gary sinise's foundation snowball express program and it was a five-day experience for 1722 children of the fallen and their surviving parent or guardian and it's a therapeutic retreat offering fun and inspiring programs encouraging critical peer-to-peer support for these families what an awesome thing gary sinise does The great actor who's Going on to do a lot of Gold Star work in this program for Gold Star families, and these kids getting to fly on a five day trip. And when they got into Nashville, the people broke into the Star Spangled Banner. Go check that video out. It is awesome and truly a wonderful thing coming from Music City. Where else but Music City would people start singing the National Anthem in an airport? Oh, it would have happened in other places too, but. We love our Music City USA happenings. In Alabama, Jeff Sessions, back in his home state, and he spoke at a Montgomery Area Chamber of Commerce event this week, and it's been its first speaking appearance in Alabama since resigning as Attorney General five weeks ago at President Trump's request. 600 people were on hand at the Renaissance Hotel and Convention Center in Montgomery, and during his speech, he praised president trump and he stayed quiet about his own future plans jeff sessions he had a chance to really probably make a lot bigger headline if he'd have said something negative toward the president but the 71 year old former u.s senator former u.s attorney general gave no indication of his political plans and he kind of gave an upbeat message for about 20 minutes praising his former boss and said he poured his heart into supporting the president's policies which were my policies and good for America, I believe Jeff Sessions said in Montgomery this week. So I I haven't seen this anywhere on any national news that Sessions made a public appearance and said anything, but he's back in Alabama and Jeff Sessions kind of surprising me with this headline here today. A lawsuit's been filed over the president's plans for offshore drilling tests on the Atlantic coast. As environmental groups have sued the Trump administration over offshore drilling tests launching a legal fight against a proposal that has drawn bipartisan opposition along the Atlantic coast. The lawsuit was filed in federal court in Charleston, South Carolina, claiming that the National Maritime Fisheries Services violated the Marine Mammal Protection Act, the Endangered Species Act, and the National Environmental Policy Act when it issued five permits for the use of seismic air guns. And I know the Trump administration has come out in support of offshore drilling off of South Carolina. I personally am totally opposed to this. Have you ever been to the coast of Louisiana and or Texas? It's not a pretty sight when you go there and you're on the beach and you see oil platforms off in the distance. I know they make money for those states, but those states are used to it. The Carolinas and Georgia or wherever else they're considering doing this on the Atlantic coast. They don't have these things, and they don't need them. I am against it, and I'm not trying to be some kind of environmental hack. I just don't think it's necessary. Let let the petroleum industry be centered more toward Louisiana and Texas and keep our Atlantic coast sovereign. <laughs> That's a pretty good South Carolina term there, sovereign. Uh, of course, it could be a major, major economic boom to the area, but right now tourism is a big part of that uh, part of the country. And I just don't think tourists want to lay on the beach and look at an oil platform. And I know so because I had zero desire to take a swim when I was in Galveston two years ago. It just kind of discounted what could have been a nice beach. Call me an, uh, an Atlantic coast snob. I guess I am, but I am not in favor of this. Now the governor of South Carolina, Henry McMaster, early backer of the president's candidacy was among state executives to request a drilling waiver seeking the same sort of promise already given to the governor of florida rick scott another trump ally and we'll see what happens there this is going to continue to be a fight and it's not just south carolina florida as we just mentioned brought into this whole atlantic coast drilling question mark well speaking of politics and maneuvering and such have you heard about A bipartisan deal that went down, I think, yesterday on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. They actually had something going on with prison reform. Another thing had to do with a farm bill. The other issue has to deal with the U.S.-Mexican border, of which, did you see that deal in the Oval Office between the president and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi? (laughs) Made for television moment on Tuesday. If you haven't seen that, it's well worth a watch on YouTube if you can find it. But it looks like there is bipartisan support for a farm bill, and supporters of hemp in Kentucky are excited about this final agreement on the federal farm bill. It's going to legalize the crop that's making a comeback in Kentucky. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said that the crop is ready to take off and has the potential to become a significant cash crop In the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and McConnell has played a key role in turning hemp into a legal crop by removing it from the federal list of controlled substances. Growing hemp right now without a federal permit, it's been banned. It was banned decades ago because of its ties to marijuana. Hemp and marijuana are the same species, but hemp has a negligible amount of THC, the psychoactive compound that gives marijuana users a high. So we're looking to see more and more hemp. I know in other southern states, they're pushing forward hemp measures, if not already there. And Kentucky farmers have already planted 6,700 acres of hemp this year alone. And now that it will be legalized in this farm bill, hemp, the new cash crop, perhaps in Kentucky. Remember, if you know anything about Kentucky's heritage, hemp actually used to be the biggest crop grown in the bluegrass state. It was used 100 plus years ago in the making of rope. And the big state that grew it was Kentucky. And now they're going back back to the future with hemp being legalized and these farmers cheering this new farm bill going through the halls of Congress right now. Speaking of politics, but now in the state of Georgia, we've told you before about this race in Northeast Georgia. It's a Republican primary for state representative there, House District 28. And Earlier this year, during their primary, something happened, and the candidate that should have been on the ballot in a certain part of that district, his name wasn't rightfully where it should have been, and he'd lost. And then when someone told him, hey, I would have voted for you, but you weren't on my ballot, and the guy knew where the person lived, and they were clearly within his district, he went, I think it was Scooby-Doo or something, they would go, Rut Row. Well, rut row, they looked into and sure enough, it was a complete screw up by someone or some office there in Northeast Georgia, Habersham County, Cornelia, that part of Georgia. Well, all this has been going on and this is not Republican Democrat. This is two Republicans in a Republican primary of which there is no Democratic challenger in House District 28, state of Georgia. So this week they actually had another primary and they had another vote. And would you believe that in this new election for House District 28, State Representative Dan Gasaway of Homer, Georgia, he ended up losing in this election. He lost by two votes. He lost by two votes out of over 7,000 votes cast. And that falls within a recount. So this election again goes on. I was laughing on Tuesday, show about the election 28 just won't end. Well, here in Georgia, in a Republican primary in Banks County, Habersham County, Stevens County, it truly is not going to end in this race between Chris Irwing and the current incumbent, Dan Gassaway, in Northeast Georgia. Two votes out of 7,000 votes is all that separates them. See, every vote does count, or in this case, every two votes count. Hey, how about this? Christopher Newport University is in Newport News, Virginia. It's a state college, actually. It's got about 5,000 students. And students there in Virginia are pushing for the leaders of Christopher Newport University to provide free tampons and other menstrual products. We want free tampons. We want... You can hear them now, the social activism going on at Christopher Newport. Yeah, they're pushing for free tampons by the, the leaders of cnu and it's part of a larger movement around the country and these efforts include removing obstacles obstacles to getting menstrual products on campus but they want them free christopher newport university has a local chapter of the organization that's pushing this and what in the world is this chapter this organization's name it's called p-e-r-i-o-d period a national nonprofit that advocates for women on menstrual issues. So, I don't know where we're going to go with this one, but Christopher Newport University, a public university with about a 60-40 ratio of women to men, 60% female, and they're pushing at least some of the activism going on there, that they want free tampons. It's every person's right, every man and woman's right, I guess, To get free tampons if you're at christopher newport university cnu i think they're the mariners or admirals or something like that if you're keeping up with the cnu sports team a minister in houston texas has been accused of stealing get this nearly a million dollars from a baptist church there and this former minister Jerrell altick a 40 year old accused of stealing eight hundred thousand dollars From the First Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, he appeared in court this week after surrendering to authorities and the grand jury indicted him on a theft charge. The Harris County, Texas District Attorney's Office alleges Altick took the money from Houston's First Baptist Church during a six-year period that ended in November of 2017. That is a lot of money for a preacher to be taking away from from the offering plate. The church says its insurance paid for $500,000 of the lost funds. But golly, that is a lot of money in Texas taken away from that church. Of course, it's in Houston. And I guess having $800,000 isn't all that unusual offered there in the offering plate but for this minister now accused of taking that amount of money over the course of a time. Man, that's bad news. Bad preachers. We got bad cops. We got a lot of bad people out there. Luckily, we don't have any bad talk show hosts that talk about the South. At least not for now. If we do, I'll be sure to tell you about it here on the Y'all Show. This is a fun story coming from Georgia. An Orthodox Jew has now embraced the unorthodox job as a full-time Santa. Congratulations to Rick Rosenthal. And he's a full-time Santa Claus and says he wouldn't have it any other way. He's a 66-year-old Jewish man living in Atlanta, and he's better known as Santa Rick And he stands out in his Orthodox community with his beard white as snow and his classy red suit and his jolly personality. And Rosenthal says that he's Santa all the time now. He says, my whole Orthodox neighborhood calls me Santa. I'm always in red. I wear a red shirt to Shoal. You know, you're looking at Santa, not a rabbi. And to Rosenthal, Santa Claus is not a religious figure, but he is spiritual. So pretty cool. And he does look like santa claus if you saw a picture of rosenthal got the perfect beard perfect mustache he's got the glasses going on he's i guess he's the right age and uh <clears throat> he's also the right weight but we won't tell him that being orthodox and santa does have its limits though for rosenthal he says that he does not drive on sabbath and every once in a while christmas eve is on Shabbas. and he says i've walked to jobs on sabbath i'm really doing a mitzvah I'm not getting paid. I don't get paid on Sabbath. Pretty wild. Pretty wild there. See, Santa Claus loved by everybody. And I think Christmas is a pretty cool holiday, no matter what your faith. Moving on, more headlines coming to you from the South. And Maryland native Kathy Lee Gifford, it was announced on Tuesday, she will be stepping down from her role as a host of the last hour of the Today Show. Kathy Lee Gifford, now 65 years old, and she's going to say goodbye on the NBC show come April. She says she would have quit years ago, but she and Hoda Kotb, who got her start on a television station in the Mississippi Delta in Greenwood, Mississippi. She and Hoda are so close that it's kept Kathy Lee Gifford going all these years through her husband Frank Gifford's death and all these years that she's going to step down from that job. Of course, Kathy Lee Gifford, is very talented in many, many ways. She's an actress. She's a songwriter. I know she performs in concerts around the country as well. So she won't be sitting at home in a rocking chair, Kathy Lee Gifford, that is. She's very talented, very beautiful, and a very borderline Southerner, being raised in Bowie, Maryland, and then went to college at Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. So we wish Kathy Lee Gifford all the best with her next step in her professional career. A mayor in the Mississippi Delta town of Jonestown, a place I've cut through. In fact, it's so small that I was coming through Jonestown, Mississippi a couple of years ago. And they decided the time I came through, it just so happened to be when a funeral procession was passing through town. And I was literally trapped for about 10 minutes because the road that goes through Jonestown is a one lane road. So I literally pulled off to the side of the road and waited because there was no another option. Now, I know as good Southerners, we're supposed to pull over anyway when there's a funeral procession, but usually in big cities, you can kind of slow way down, and you're kind of going super slow, but you're still moving. Not so in Jonestown. Jonestown, probably about 20 minutes from Clarksdale, Mississippi, in between Clarksdale and Marks. Marks, the county seat of Quitman County, the only other big town in Quitman County, is one town called Sledge. The hometown of Charlie Pride and Jonestown just around the corner from all that. But, yeah, the mayor of Jonestown, Mississippi, is in a lot of trouble because the authorities are accusing him of stealing money that residents paid for their water bills with and water line repairs. The state attorney's general's office says in a news release that Mayor Kenneth Lester has been released from jail without having to post bond. He was arrested over the weekend after a grand jury indicted him On five counts of felony embezzlement, four counts are tied to accusations that he took water payments for his own use between July 2017 and August of this year. One count accuses him of taking a city-owned handgun and pawning it for cash, and he's going to be facing maybe up to 20 years in prison if convicted. Jonestown, Mississippi, by the way, population 1,300. And finally, an 83-year-old Louisiana man is set to receive his degree this week. And it's not your ordinary degree, as this Vietnam veteran, Johnny Jones, is going to get his Ph.D. in human ecology at the Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. And this graduation ceremony is Friday. And the Marine Corps veteran isn't quitting now that he's reached the doctorate level. He says he's hoping to go to law school saying the schoolwork helps him to make him the best he can be. Hey, that kind of sounds like the Army, isn't that the Army's phrase? Jones started taking LSU correspondence courses when he was deployed in Vietnam. And after serving in Vietnam, he later earned a sociology degree from the University of Hawaii and then returned to the U.S. So congratulations. He worked as a prison warden and retired and now getting his Ph.D. in human ecology from LSU. Way to go. Johnny Jones. The U.S. Marine Corps should be very proud of you and what you've done all these years after serving in Vietnam. Thank you, sir. Another a great veteran story here in the holiday season. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to be checking in with CBS Sports Digital's Jonathan Lifite. We'll get the take on the Atlantic Coast Conference. They've got some big bowl games coming up. Clemson is going to be competing for a national championship. And there's a new coach in Atlanta, Georgia, coaching the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. We'll get Jonathan's take on all of that when we come back on our ACC Spotlight of the Y'all Show.
1: When
2: I have a cold sore, I want something that works.
3: Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore, and it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose and L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. Purpose and L. Works when you have a cold sore. Works when you don't. Uses Directed.
0: It's ACC time here on this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. Yes, we love to talk about the Atlantic Coast Conference, the conference that's got a team playing for the national championship in the Clemson Tigers. We're going to talk about their big game against Notre Dame in just a few minutes here on the Y'all Show. We welcome in from CBS Sports Digital and the 247sports.com platform, Jonathan Lifite to the show to talk about. The Atlantic Coast Conference. Hello, Jonathan. Merry Christmas to you, sir.
4: Merry Christmas to you as well.
0: And should I also say, Happy New Year.
4: Yeah, I think it will be quite a Happy New Year for us.
0: Well, we hope so. And uh, some big games for the ACC leading into the New Year. Jonathan, we start on today's Y'all Show ACC report, talking about some honors that have come in and some other praise, not just awards, but some of the great play of playmakers in the conference. And I noticed on ESPN, they have their ACC offensive honors with quarterback Ryan Finley and Clemson's Travis Etienne and A.J. Dillon of Boston College leading the way, along with some others. Your thoughts on what ESPN's come out, and then I'm going to tell people what the Associated Press has to say about the <laughs> ACC.
4: Yeah, actually, there's probably a good bit of overlap on those, but uh, yeah, we saw this, uh, Ryan Finley, you know, really, really good uh, – a quarterback at nc state uh, he was also a preseason uh, uh all acc first team so did a good job there travis Etienne, of course uh, he is also the player of the year on uh, on offense for uh for uh for the acc as well really good back there number of others you keep on going down the list and uh, uh you'll see a lot of clemson guys there and uh, uh not, no big surprise there also a number of uh, nc state guys which was actually uh A little bit more of a surprise than I expected, but they did do pretty well this year.
0: Now, let's not leave out Stefano Millen of the Pitt Panthers, offensive tackle. I just love that name for Stefano. He made it on that ESPN (laughs) honor. Now, on the AP side of things, here's their first team from an ACC standpoint. They've got Mitch Hyatt of Clemson, offensive tackle, first team All-American. I had really not heard much about him, but maybe I should have been paying a little bit more attention to the Hogs on the offense for Clemson.
4: Yeah, they actually Hyatt the was a pretty much consensus pick across the board. Um, done a done a really good job. He was also another one that was there on the on the preseason uh, list.
0: Yeah, also from the AP. When we switch over to defense, Clemson had Clean was it Cleland Farrell. Yep, he made it on there as well as Christian Wilkins, and I think that may be the only ACC on the defense side first team All American. But still great honors there. Now ESPN had something to say about the ACC's defense as Farrell, of course, made it on their list along with Wilkins. And then you had Gerald Willis III from the Miami Hurricanes getting honored as a defensive tackle. Brian Burns from FSU, another Clemson linebacker. Trey Lamar making it on the ESPN honors. Shaq Quarterman from Miami. NC State's Jermaine Pratt. BC's Hamp Cheevers. Miami's Jaquan Johnson, Syracuse's Andre Cisco, and UVA's Bryce Hall, your defensive playmakers, being recognized by ESPN. Anything you want to say about that list of folks?
4: Yeah, um, I was uh, really kind of eager to see if uh, Bryce Hall didn't make it from UVA. He, he did a great job all year as a cornerback, uh, so definitely worth it. Um, and I'm looking forward to finally seeing uh, Shat Quarterman move on to the NFL. I feel like he's been at Miami for at least the last 10 years. So uh, good to see him go. finally. Yep. And then of course, uh, we knew going into the, into the year that uh, the Clemson defense, their defensive line was going to be a, a load to handle. And sure enough, they placed two of them on there. And I bet if there was a second team, you'd have probably seen uh, De- uh, Dexter Lawrence on there as well as uh, I trying to think of the other guys. And I think it was Bryant um, that was on there. Yep. Not, not Kelly Bryant. Kelly was the, the, uh, the, the now lost uh, and found a quarterback at uh, <laughs> Missouri, a yeah. Uh so. Syracuse's Austin
0: Bryant, Austin Bryant. Okay, okay, yeah, I've heard of him. Syracuse's place kicker made it from ESPN's list of special teamers, and Georgia Tech's Presley Harvin the third was your punter from the ACC Player of the Year went to Christian Wilkins, and True Freshman of the Year from ESPN was Trevor Lawrence. Certainly, no surprises here. Coach of the Year, Dabo Sweeney. What in the world's Dabo Sweeney done to deserve ACC Coach of the Year from ESPN?
4: Uh, win four straight ACC championships and and the guy is team to another undefeated season. Oh come on!
0: What's the fun in that? <clears throat> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But we do congratulate all those names we just mentioned and another stellar season. And look, let's face it: the ACC's got a team right there playing for a national championship with a very good chance to win a national championship, and that's saying a lot when only three conferences have teams. In the final four, of course, Notre Dame's an independent, so the ACC getting that power five. They're at least three. They're one of the three there when the final gun sounds at the end of the the picking of the playoff. Jonathan, now talking about the ACC, I, I found this article very, very compelling when I saw this because I haven't heard this idea floated around, at least on the social circles that I run in, but perhaps you have. And that is, people are saying that it may be time for the ACC to realign its divisions because of what <laughs> happened in 2018. And I don't know what they're really mad about, but go ahead. What What is the rub that evidently some fans have?
4: Well, uh, and let's get it clear because uh, um, I actually have seen this going on for a number of years, and it almost always inevitably comes out of Tallahassee. Okay. So, so for whatever reason, their fans have a burr in their saddle about it. And I personally, if you look, I kind of amused myself when I looked at his. This is what the results would have been had they realigned. And sure enough, FSU gets an extra appearance that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so in, in my opinion, it's much ado about nothing. Uh, the FSU fans seem to always have some with the ACC, I don't, you know, I don't know what the deal is, but they're always talking about realignment and changing things up. And really nobody else in the conference is like, they're all like, eh, not really. We don't care.
0: Now, is so, this, is this a majority of Florida state fans? If you had to guess, or just a very vocal minority,
4: I would say it's a, uh, a heavier than, 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 uh, the normal vocal minority. Uh, From them, there are certainly fans from each school that would like to see it changed up a little bit, but there seems to be a stronger prevalence of those from the Florida State contingent for whatever reason, and uh, they are um, a bit vocal, and they're also very vocal in every little thing the ACC does that they're not happy about.
0: Well, there's only one team that's really kept Florida State from continuing their dynasty atop the ACC, and that would be Clemson. Now, prior to Clemson's Surged to the top under Dabo Sweeney, it was FSU essentially winning just about every year, the Atlantic division. Am I right on that?
4: Uh there for a while they were doing that, but actually if you if you kinda go back uh the late two thousands, they were that was probably true to about two thousand and five, two thousand six. I know Wake Forest somehow won it one year. Yep. Two thousand six. Clemson and made have one, I- one or two in there. Yeah, 2000, uh, 2009, they've got it. I believe they actually got it in 2010. So it, it's hard to say that in the last 10 years, I don't believe, you know, they had their little run of about three or four from about 10, 2010 to 2014, um, uh, to actually 2011 to 2014. But it's mostly been them and Clemson, uh, you know, back and forth. And, you know, if you go back a little further on the Atlantic side, it was Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech that were doing most of the most of that and they you know and they won quite a few of the championships between the two of them as well so it just seems to go in in in, in streaks and and you know whatever whatever alignment they come up with today uh you know a couple teams are going to rise up and be stronger and it's going to cause the divisions to again be in unbalanced and they'll then propose to to move it yet another way and if you recall that that when they originally did the lineup they did it's because everybody wanted to match Miami and Florida state up in the championship. You know how many times that's actually happened? Zero. Zero. So, so the, to me, uh, I think the alignment's just fine. Things will shift. Things will change. You know, teams will get better. They'll be back in the, in the, in the swing of things. The coastal will get better. It's, it's just a matter of time. And the Atlantic will have its swan song. You know, it'll have its day. And if you kind of look at the head to head every year, um, It actually usually comes out pretty darn close to even. So yeah. it's hard to say that they're, they're one group that's stronger. But FSU and Clemson have both had kind of a little run that, that's made them a little more dominant. But keep in mind, Virginia Tech had kind of the same run as well.
0: But the other 13 football-playing schools, as far as the majority of their fan base, they don't have any issue with the current breakdown of the way yeah. the divisions are aligned?
4: Nobody's – nobody – There's there's just not a clear-cut – answer to to, that would make everybody happy no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be unhappy with it because, you know, there's some traditional rivalry or some game that they want or some game they don't want that will be on their schedule. So I don't see, uh, you know, anything – I don't see anything that will make any shifts that's going to make everybody happy. And by the way, I have to take a little offense with one thing. They referred – they called the one league – one division, the the old school – and they put georgia tech in it even though they didn't join until the 80s so <laughs> go figure
0: well if florida state really has a problem they can always step down a notch and play in conference usa i'm sure they can make a spot for fsu if it really bothers them that much we're talking i'm with, sure they would I'm, we're talking with jonathan Lifite, 24 7 sports and cbs sports digital here on the y'all show when we come back speaking of the coastal division getting stronger Well, there's a new chief in Atlanta, Georgia, that's going to be leading the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And when we come back, we're going to get Jonathan's take on Jeff Collins being hired at the Institute. And we'll hear from the new coach of Georgia Tech Talk at his introductory press conference. Plus, we'll get Jonathan's take on the ACC Bowl lineup and what Clemson can do to win a national championship. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. We will be right back.
5: Gold Bond salutes all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs, squeaky stairs, and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything, except dry, cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough, cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. Find it at First Aid at Walgreens.
0: Blowing ahead here on this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show with John Rawl, our ACC Spotlight continues, and we're visiting with Jonathan Leifheit of CBS Sports Digital and 247sports.com, and Joe Nathan, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, introduced a brand new coach the other day on the flats. Jeff Collins comes back to Georgia. He was a native of Conyers, Georgia and had been an assistant coach at Georgia Tech in the past. Most recently, Collins was the head coach of the Temple Owls, and he comes to Atlanta following Paul Johnson's retirement and will take over the program in 2019. We're going to hear from Collins momentarily, but your thoughts on Jeff Collins as the new coach of the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech?
4: Well, I, I don't know if you got a chance to to listen to the whole press conference, but um, if ever I could define the, the the notion of winning a press conference uh, he comes pretty close to doing that, uh, kind of out the gate. And uh, he's a, he's a name that as soon as we heard Paul Johnson was retiring, he it's it's ironic that Rod and I actually uh, my buddy Rod McKenzie that you uh, you're familiar with he and I actually talked the weekend of the Georgia game on the way up there that hey what happens if, if Johnson decides to leave because we had this little inkling that that might be a case and and sure enough Jeff Collins name was right up there among those we thought would probably get a get a look at it and uh i kind of always figured that if uh, if Stansbury didn't know him um once he talked to them he would quickly be sold on him uh, uh collins is a superb marketer um and a, an unbelievable recruiter and i think uh i think from that perspective um it's going to be a very big culture change at georgia tech and uh, i think collins will do a fantastic job so as, as someone who's a who's a, a fan of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, I'm very happy with the, with the hire and looking forward to seeing what he can do.
0: Well, just like Paul Johnson, Collins comes to Georgia Tech after a playing career with the Western Carolina Catamounts and has been an assistant now. Like you said, he's a good, sharp guy, and you talked about Rod McKenzie as well. We're going to go to this press conference now where we start it When Rod McKenzie asked the first question, (laughs) and what did Jeff Collins say when Rod said, this is Rod McKenzie with 24-7 Sports? Jeff Collins says, I I know who you are. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm sure he actually does know who he is because Rod was asking him questions 10 years ago when Collins was on the flats as an assistant coach. But anyway, we're going to hear now some of that press conference from the other day when Jeff Collins was introduced as the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets.
6: The nice thing about uh, being being a head coach before um, and going through different experiences that you don't know when you're a, a coordinator in the SEC or a, an assistant coach in whatever league, you don't have these cumulative experiences um, that you can build off of. I distinctly remember two years ago when I was named the head coach at Temple, I went through the bowl preparation up there. And the head coach at the time got a job, another job, at another place during bowl prep. and. I just kept noticing coaches coming in and out, and they'd be flying to the other place, and they'd be coming back, and they'd fly here, and they'd fly there. Some coaches knew they were going. Some coaches didn't know. There was, you know, uh, there were some pieces that I did not want to do this time. So I met with my staff first thing this morning, told them uh, Jennifer and I's decision what we were going to do. And I was like, everybody in this room is going to coach in the bowl game. We are going to do right by these players. I'm not going to have these players worried about this, worried about that. Who's the next coach? Where's this coach going? Everything that I want to do in this transition is for the players. Obviously, it would help to get some other guys in here to help this first week, but I want to do right by my players and the guys I love and the guys that I care about. Um, The nice thing about being at a place like Georgia Tech is you know, my phone, my DMs, my texts have been blowing up um, for guys that are now interested in this place um, because relationships I've had throughout the Southeast or um, even internationally, I'm getting texts uh, about recruits. Um, and then I'm also getting texts from coaches that want to be a part of what we're going to be doing here and the excitement that's going to build around it. Um, but I'm going to take my time.
0: And that's a clip from the introductory press conference of Jeff Collins, the new head coach, at Georgia Tech, taking over for Paul Johnson. And the big question, of course, with Collins coming to Atlanta, is the triple option dead? And, Jonathan, I think we kind of know the answer to that.
4: Yeah, put a, put a fork in it. It's done. Okay.
0: And so he's going to go to the typical pro-style offense?
4: Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of wonder about that. I think it will probably be more an atypical pro-style. And if you have watched any NFL at all, you'll note that quite a bit of the college game particularly some of this, um, I will call RPO spread style stuff is starting to, to show up at the uh, pro level. And I expect based on, uh, his current offensive coordinator, who we, who we probably expect to see him join in Atlanta, that they'll probably, uh, run, a, a kind of a similar offense to that.
0: Okay. And with the personnel that tech's got going into 2019, do you see these guys making a very easy adjustment to this new
4: offense? Oh, some will, some won't. So I think uh, <laughs> I think there'll be some uh, some opportunities for uh, for freshmen to play, particularly at tight end, since uh, uh, um, Paul Johnson never used a tight end. Uh, whoever comes in will probably be uh, staked to a pretty easy claim there, and then it'll just be a matter of adjusting, you know, how some of them play. Uh, you know, the, the number of running backs Georgia Tech certainly has a plethora of those. Um, And they'll probably be short and wide receivers a little bit. So they'll have to make some adjustments. But I think, you know, most of these kids, not all of them, you know, it's not like the triple option is the only offense they've ever run in their lives. A lot of them came out of other programs running different types of offenses. So they should be able to adapt, you know, fairly well. And it'll just mostly be a, a case of just getting them on the same page and uh, and doing some repetition.
0: All right. Jonathan Lifehite, 24-7 Sports, let's get your take real quick before we say adieu for you for the year. ACC Bowl Contest. I want the winner followed by less than one sentence of why on the ACC matchup. So here we go. First game, Birmingham Bowl, Memphis versus Wake Forest. Winner? Wake Forest. Why? Memphis
4: never wins a bowl game.
0: All right. you got the First Responder Bowl, Boston College and Boise State. Winner? Boise State. Why? Uh,
4: they're just a better team.
0: Okay. You've got the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, Minnesota, and the aforementioned Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets.
4: Georgia Tech, because they are the better team.
0: Okay. No bias there. The walk ons yep. Independence Bowl, Temple Owls, <laughs> Jeff Collins' old team. He's not coaching this game, right? Uh, he is not. Yeah, Temple is taking on the Duke Blue Devils. On the 27th of December in Shreveport. Winner?
4: I'm going with Temple. Oh, and the reason? I actually think they're going to play with a little bit of the chip on their shoulder. All right. The new era
0: pinstripe bowl, Miami versus Wisconsin.
4: I'm going to go with Miami. Um, Wisconsin just looks like a team in disarray this year.
0: Okay. Valid point. Now we move to the December 28th matchup between West Virginia and Syracuse in the Camping World Bowl. Jonathan Heights winner is?
4: Syracuse, because Will Greer has decided he's not going to play the game.
0: Oh, okay. Well, good news. Now to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, the Virginia Cavaliers and the South Carolina Gamecocks. The winner is?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with Virginia, because South Carolina's defense uh, is uh, probably still in the hospital.
0: Okay. Now you go to the – well, we'll skip this one. We'll come back to this one. Cincinnati and Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. Winner?
4: Cincinnati. They're just the better team.
0: All right. Sun Bowl, Jonathan's favorite destination, El Paso. (laughs) Stanford versus the Pitt Panthers.
4: I'm going to go with Stanford. I think they're just a more complete team.
0: Okay. And you got NC State and Texas A&M. Texas A&M's first visit to Jacksonville since 1957 in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Winner?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with Texas A&M. They're also, uh, just a more complete team.
0: All right. That takes us to the Cotton Bowl Classic on December 29th, where Notre Dame will square up against Clemson. The winner of that game will be.
4: I'm going with Clemson. I, I think Notre Dame has played kind of a weaker schedule. I think Clemson's just a. Uh, I think their off at their defensive line is going to eat them alive.
0: All right. So if Clemson wins that game, they move on to the national championship game at Levi's Stadium. In early January, and who will they likely be playing? Alabama. All right, so we've got Clemson and Alabama national championship winner says is going to be.
4: Uh, I think it'll be Alabama.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And the
4: reason? uh Have you watched them play?
0: <laughs> yes, I have. I've seen them play in person, and they didn't look yeah. too good. The game I saw, but hey, they they're a yeah. dynasty. They are a dynasty, and we'll see what happens. But Clemson going to the national championship game, according to Jonathan Lifeite. So go ahead, go to Vegas with that one, folks. Jonathan, we thank you very much for your great contributions throughout the year, and we look forward to catching you after the New Year's holiday and bringing in the ACC heat throughout the 2019 year. Thank you very much for everything, and Merry Christmas to you.
4: Yep, same to you guys. Have a, I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. All right. Jonathan Lifite, 24-7
0: Sports and CBS Sports and Digital with our ACC Report. We will come back in hour two with Hashtag Huddle Blue and Precious Harris is standing by with all that's going on in Nashville Music City, USA. This is the Y'all Show with John Raw. We will be right back, y'all.
3: Herpes and L works when you have a cold sore and works when you don't.
2: If you haven't tried this for
3: cold sores, you're missing out. Herpes and L penetrates deep to treat cold sores.
6: It
5: really works. I apply it as soon as I have one.
3: Herpes and L also protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold with added SPF 30 protection. I use it in the winter and in the summer to help protect against flare-ups from sun damage. Herpes and L. Works when you have a cold
5: sore. Works when you don't. Use as directed. Gold Bond salutes all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs, squeaky stairs, and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything, except dry cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Cracked Skin Cream. Find it in first aid at CVS.
0: Hour 2, y'all show, Christmas time, New Year's around the corner. Everybody cheerful, everybody bright. Oh, what a beautiful sight. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for joining us here on the All Southern Show. And we're glad that you could take a little time out on this Wednesday Hump Day edition. Of y'all, we've got a lot of good stuff here on Hour 2. In just a few minutes, we're going to roll into Nashville, Music City, USA. They have a report on country music from Precious Harris in our final Nashville music line of 2018. What's going on with all these big stars? Are they going to go in hibernation for a few weeks and come back roaring in 2019? Well, we'll find out from Precious what exactly the plan is in Nashville. And right now on the Y'all Show, as we continue talking about the South, we start this hour with Hashtag HullaBlue. Blue happy hashtag hullabaloo to you we wish you a happy hashtag hullabaloo we wish you a merry hashtag hullabaloo and a happy new year okay i need to give up on the singing thing i don't think it was meant for me i'm not sure i'm all that good at the talking thing but the singing thing yeah probably probably losing listeners each and every time i open my singing voice up on hashtag hullabaloo we begin with Alyssa and Alyssa. Identifies as a wife and mother, and on Twitter, she can be found at at a t a b a c c a at a b a c c a. And she writes, "Thankful, I'm Midwestern enough to own a snowblower, but my address is Southern enough that it is capital R capital A capital R capital E exclamation point rare." <laughs> She's thankful that she is Midwestern enough to own a snowblower, which I promise I do not own a snowblower, although it looks like it could be fun. But her address, Alyssa's address, is Southern enough that it is a very rare thing that she has to use, said snowblower. I don't even know if I've ever seen one in a store down here in Dixie. I know they've got to be in some higher elevations, offered like a Kubota dealership or John Deere, but I don't really ever remember seeing one. And if you if you see one, surely it's not a hot ticket item at these dealerships. But man, it would have been a lot of fun to own one in the last couple of days in certain parts of our South with the weather and the snow that came down. We told you earlier in the show, some places had at least a foot of snow. And I think East Tennessee, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, I think North Carolina I saw one of those places that had like two feet of snow. That's a lot of snow. In fact, I saw where... It was a, the snow probably was not good for any industry except for the people that have the snow ski lifts in Western North Carolina, like around Boone. Is it grandfather mountain might be a, a snow option there. And maybe there's another one or two. I have never been snow skiing. So I will yield to anyone out there when it comes to that particular activity. And we do have a handful in the Southeast that you can go snow skiing And I'm sure you hardcore snow skiers who go out west to Colorado or perhaps go up to British Columbia. I know that's a real nice place to go snow skiing. I'm sure you laugh at what we have in the south from a snow skiing option. But you can snow ski. In fact, I'm pretty sure there is actually a snow skiing option around Fort Payne, Alabama. Up on, what is it? Lookout Mountain. Yeah, Lookout Mountain that runs across from Fort Payne up to Chattanooga. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. I've never seen it. I've been to Mentone and other places along that area, but I've not seen this supposed ski destination, but I've been told that (laughs) I've been told there was one there, but yeah, I know they have options in other places like Gatlinburg has some ski options. Probably not all that great Ober Gatlinburg. I think that's what it's called. But yeah, we can we can go snow skiing in the south at some of our places. But hey, you can go snow skiing in your backyard if you get a foot of snow or two feet of snow like we saw in North Carolina. And those are the times where a snowblower would have come in very handy. So Alyssa, thank you for sharing that. And I don't know where you're from in the Midwest, but I'm sure you'd rather be in the south, especially this time of year. And she's once again an example of we may not be the greatest place in the world to live, but from a climate standpoint, it sure beats most places in the wintertime, for sure. Okay. Now come summertime when it's 105 and you're a southerner and you hear about people going up to Lake Michigan for the lake there that might be a good option. I've never been there in the summertime. But I hear it's a lovely place. The upper peninsula. But enough. We don't need to we don't need to send tourism up there let them come down here and give give us all the money and then they need to go back. Yeah, we've reached our limit. You got to go back to the Midwest. But Alyssa, it looks like you slipped through the cracks and you're living here. So congrats. Kara Kennedy is on Twitter, at K-A-R-A Kennedy. And Kara, a PR media relations social media content producer who worked for an Alabama government politics news junkie. And she likes Auburn. So roll tide, Kara. (laughs) I'm kidding. Come on, War Eagle tell you. War damn eagle. W-D-E. Yeah, I said it. And this is what Kara Kennedy wrote on her Twitter account. New article on Inspired South. And that's at inspired underscore South. Read about a Southern family that has raised Christmas trees for 50 years. And that comes to us from Focus Beham, Focus Birmingham. And I took a glance at that article and it looks like a great little article on this family that's been raising Christmas trees for 50 years. And I used to live next to a Christmas tree farm and was very close to the family that did it. And I don't understand how these people get away with going years and years and years of not having their trees be ready for harvest. I assume they bring in trees from places like North Carolina, the Fraser firs, and make money that way. But growing a Christmas tree, it takes years. I don't know the exact amount. I don't claim to be a Christmas tree expert. But yeah, this family around the Birmingham area, been doing it for 50 years and a lot of dedication, but yes, always good to support our local farmers, even Christmas tree farmers. And remember a lot of places in Southern towns have live trees available for purchase and they're already cut. So if you're still in the market for a Christmas tree, don't go get, don't go get a plastic tree right now. Go get, go get a real one. You probably can get a deal on it. We're just days away from 25 December. And they probably are seeing that, hey, we may be left with extra trees here. We need to we need to get rid of these things. We need to make some moves. So I bet you you can get a steal on some live trees. Now, I know they can be messy. And I know that you're going to regret it after you have to clean it up and you'll have stuff all over the floor. But, boy, don't they look great when you get one and it's done upright? right? Now, hopefully you won't have a live animal in it like Christmas Vacation. But yeah, I think I think a Christmas tree, a live one, a perfect Christmas tree is a live tree, not a plastic one. So keep that in mind and support our farmers out there who are growing Christmas trees. Those farmers who like this in Focus, Birmingham, have been doing it for 50 years or even longer in our southern states. Great job there. Kara Kennedy, thank you for sharing that. And a salute to all our farmers here in the holidays. Kylie Cooks on Twitter. And it's at K-Y-L-E-E Cooks, C-O-O-K-S. And Kylie, I love the name, is a Kiwi living in the USA. And that would be someone from New Zealand, a place I would love to go. That's on my bucket list. A long way to get there, though. I think it's like a day and a half plane ride. But it looks pretty. And I just, I I would love to live there. I, I'd i like to visit there. I'd love to live there. But I was told that they have the slowest internet in the entire world in New Zealand because they literally are on the end of the world or at the end of the world in New Zealand. Uh, but they got some good golfers from there. So Kylie, thank you for for getting on Twitter and letting us see that. But she now lives in the good old USA and she's a food blogger, a wife and a working mom to two boys and no surprise here. She's a rugby fan. A lover of cheesecake and bacon. Kylie Cooks on Twitter writes, Check out this creamy, tangy, and traditional buttermilk pie dessert. Hashtag Southern. And I saw this picture. And if if you made that, if you're a Kiwi that made this buttermilk pie, whoa, man, you've got some talent now. I haven't tasted it. I don't know if New Zealand folks are guilty like the English folks of making maybe the most bland food in the world. And I don't mean to pick on our friends from across the pond, but truly, I don't think they're going to ever win an award in England for great food. Here in America, where we love to go eat Mexican, we love to go eat Italian or get fancy and go eat French or some kind of Asian cuisine, how many people ever go out to an English restaurant? I don't think fish and chips is something we have on our radar of great options for food. I think our southern fish has kind of usurped anything from across the pond, and that would be something called catfish. Yeah, we got plenty of catfish restaurants. We got plenty of other seafood restaurants, but not necessarily something that screams jolly old England. But yeah, now New Zealand maybe can make a great buttermilk pie. I'm looking forward to trying that. Love the pick. You can go to Kylie Cooks on Twitter and see for yourself. But that I don't know if a traditional buttermilk pie. Is perfect for christmas but we're going to go ahead and say yes it is check mark on that kylie thank you for sharing that here on today's y'all show continuing on in our hashtag color blue cynthia graubart on twitter and that is at cynthia g-r-a-u-b-a-r-t how about this cynthia is a james beard award-winning cookbook author and a columnist at southern living magazine not bad credentials there and she puts on twitter Lots of love for my hanger steak last week. So it's hanging around again this week. Grab yours by Sunday at midnight. <laughs> and she's got a picture of this hanger steak. Now, I must confess, I have heard of hanger steak. I don't know what that really means. So here, are you, our crack research team at the Y'all Show has done the hard work. Hanger steak, also known as butcher steak, it's a cut of beef prize for its flavor. And it derived from a diaphragm of a steer or heifer. And it typically weighs about 450 to 600, 450 grams. I don't know how much that is. And it's cut, is taken from the plate, which is the lower belly of the animal. So it comes from the lower belly of the cow. But it, it's also known as a butcher steak, a very prized part of a beef steak, a hanger steak. Now you know. Author Sheila Athens on Twitter, at Sheila Athens, Athens like the town in Georgia. And Sheila is the author of a book club fiction avid reader and a book coach and a staunch believer in the power of story. And she loves quiet spaces and colorful reading glasses. All right. I do like colorful reading glasses too. Just don't go out all over the town with colorful glasses. I think that's a little weird, especially on guys. When you see a guy with like a, a blue pair of glasses on, that's that ain't right. Well, Sheila Athens says, prepping for tonight's holiday party, which includes a white elephant gift exchange. Hubby, you're just taking the box like that, right? No, no, no. I was going to wrap it. Husband, oh, leave it like it is. Some old redneck will think he's getting himself a case of bud. And Sheila puts a pic on her Twitter account to go along with this conversation with her husband. Again, that conversation went something like when she was getting ready for this holiday party where they would have a gift exchange. You're just taking the box like that, right? Question mark. No, I was going to wrap it. Oh, we'll leave it like it is. Some old redneck will think he's getting himself a case of bud. And sure enough, the picture that Sheila puts on Twitter is a big old box of 24 Budweiser's, an empty box, an empty case with a Christmas bow right on the top of it. And Sheila, I'll take whatever you got in that box. If you bring it to me, I'll even be happy with the 24 Budweiser's. I could use two dozen buds for christmas that's a pretty good idea for jolly old saint nick all right here's some good old gif fandom that we got on twitter some gifs that have come through that made me chuckle and perhaps will make you chuckle too the first one i don't know where this came from so i won't give proper attribution but it says my ex-wife just texted me wish you were here she does it every time she walks through a cemetery That's cold there. Yeah, hopefully not true. Hopefully somebody made that up for a good laugh. But yeah, my ex-wife just texted me, wish you were here. And she does it every time she walks through a cemetery. I don't know what they're insinuating. Perhaps the guy had a lot of money and if he would die when they were married, she might be enjoying life a little bit more. All right. Now, of course, we can always find a good chuckle with a good church sign in the south. And man, I don't know who's responsible for that. Maybe there's some kind of book that preachers share amongst themselves that has all these catchy phrases and such that are pretty darn funny. But this one comes from the Covenant Baptist Church where Chris Hensley is the pastor. I don't know where this is. Covenant Baptist Church and Pastor Hensley. But I love what was on their church sign. It says, your kids will love our new Advent hymn, baby God, do, 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 baby God, do, 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 do. I don't know how that really goes, but I know where it's coming from. It comes from a show that's on television for kids now called baby shark. Now I've got an eight year old and I think my lucky stars that I had never heard of baby shark until Thanksgiving night. And my son did not tell me about Baby Shark. I found out about Baby Shark, the TV show, because of the famous maroon band. That would be the marching band for Mississippi State University in Starkville. On Thanksgiving night, MSU played an Egg Bowl contest in Oxford against their rival, the University of Mississippi. And they beat the snot out of Ole Miss. And congratulations to MSU. It was a big win. And they're going to a great bowl all's good for msu all's bad for their rival mississippi because mississippi which was once the ole miss rebels and a great traditional program that i loved they've fallen on their backside in the last 15 years and destroyed many great traditions of which i loved the latest thing and the latest foolish misstep by the leaders of the University of Mississippi, was they introduced this god awful land shark mascot at the beginning of the 2018 season? It is truly the most embarrassing, hideous thing I've seen, and I've seen a lot of bad stuff. It's worse than the Oklahoma State mascot, the the actual mascot. I love the logo for OSU Pistol Pete, but their mascot's creepy. Well, this land shark named Tony is—I I, I can't come up with a word for it it's just horrible. And somebody got paid a lot of money for that idea. Well, Mississippi State, they're going to have fun at Ole Miss's expense, especially when they beat them. And they sure beat them in the Egg Bowl. Well, as that game was winding down to kind of poke a finger in the rival's eye, the Mississippi State band played this song called Baby Shark and put it out on their Twitter account, I think. And that's where I saw it. I'm like, okay, that's that doesn't make any sense. Uh, what the heck's Baby Shark? So I did the old Google and I didn't realize Baby Shark's a big kid show right now. And again, my son's eight and he never watched Baby Shark, but I guess it's for kids that are five, six and below. It's only come out in the last couple of years, I think. And it's, it may be the biggest show for TVs and it's stupid, stupid, stupid. the, The idea, of course, I'm not a kid, so I can't say that kid shows are stupid because I grew up watching Three Stooges and I guess Sesame Street when I was, five years old but yes this latest thing baby shark is it's got a song and they go baby shark do, do. okay again i don't sing so i'm not going to sing it to you but this church sign at covenant baptist church channeling baby shark with their message uh, and their new advent hymn baby god do 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 do, do. and i just thought that was kind of goofy and again credit to mississippi state for giving me the idea to even know what Baby Shark is. And again, University of Mississippi, please change back to Colonel Reb, the greatest mascot in college sports before you acted like buffoons and and changed it in 2003. Now, our final GIF fun, also from the religious realm here. (laughs) I saw this. I I don't like to laugh when I talk about Jesus, but this this GIF is funny. And I'm going to read it for you here. It looks like an obit and it it looks just, it's styled. It looks like it was actually in a newspaper. It's a GIF, a picture from the obit section of a newspaper. And the heading says, in memoriam. It's got a black and white photo, a headshot of the deceased, but it's not really a photo. It's a drawing. And the drawing and the caption above it say, Jesus. So Jesus in memoriam. And then the obit reads, died of crucifixion. He was a carpenter, a teacher, given to us by God. He is survived by many followers. He can still be reached through prayer anytime one is ready. Services can be held anywhere. So that's not really funny, but pretty creative in how they did that. And like I said, it looks like a real old bit for Jesus. But if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is with us and God is with us. And the Holy Spirit is always with the Trinity there. So that is our Hashtag Hull here on this Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoyed some of those and some good stuff, some good recipe ideas and some good messages coming from church signs and more. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the sign that says Nashville, home of the Grand Ole Opry, because that's where Precious Harris is reporting from, and we're going to get what's going on on Music Road from Miss Precious when we get back on the Y'all Show with John Rawls.
6: the lines of people everywhere trying to pick out the gifts that show how much they care it makes me wish that I could see my friends on Christmas Day and fill my list with lots of gifts but I can only say here comes a Merry Christmas straight to you I hope it cheers you up when
0: Taking you back to 1986 for that one right there from King George and the title track of Merry Christmas Straight to You, an album that sold over 2 million copies from George Strait. and this is the Y'all Show getting you set for the Yuletide with some classic country music Christmas songs. And in Nashville, Tennessee is where we go to find Precious Harris and the Nashville Music Line and... Precious, you're a big George Strait fan, because I'm going to tell you why we're playing George Strait music right now. Christmas done come early for me, and maybe for you, too.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, me, too. A little bit, yeah. Actually, I went to, I was at the CMA Christmas party last night, Mm -hmm. and I had, uh, tonight I had the National Association, uh, uh, NATD Association Christmas party.
0: Ah. Well, the Christmas came early for me last week. When out of nowhere, precious, and you might've got the same email, I saw an email that's titled George Strait drops new track Kodigo today. And sure enough, for the first time in a long time, a brand new single came out from King George Strait. And it's the first new music following his 2015 album, Cold Beer Conversations. And in this song, of course, is about tequila named Codago. Have you heard it, had a chance to hear it?
2: Not yet. I have not heard it. But I have, uh, of course, I had actually sent a, a song over to George Strait's management company, and they had it on hold for a while. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about anything like that.
0: Well, this is a song, this is kind of historic. George Strait actually helped co-write this song, something he hasn't really done a lot of in his career. And he co-wrote this with his son, Bubba Strait, and longtime collaborator Dean Dillon had a Dean hand. Dean
2: Dillon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the triple play, they call it.
0: Yeah. And this, you may not know this, Precious, but Codigo is a type of tequila made south of the border. And from what I understand, it's pretty good. But I'll leave that up to, to the audience to determine whether that is out there. Maybe a good Christmas gift. But George Strait, the song's called Codigo, and it's playing on radio stations right now. And again, kind of a nice Christmas surprise from the king of country music, George Strait. And I know you're just like me, a fan of King George.
2: Oh yeah, I actually, uh, I have a huge, uh, a huge uh, George Strait story if you want to hear it. Uh, we
0: we got all day and night.
2: Okay. There was a song George Strait had called You Can't Make a Heart Love Somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at the time I was, uh, I had, uh, we had a couple of songwriters that had come to, their hotel got messed up and they ended up having to stay at the condo, we're always share. and they had the basement we had the upstairs anyway I come out one morning and one of the songwriters was there and he said been up all night I wrote a song I'm going to contact my buddy Johnny McRae and get him to finish it with me and I said really and he goes yeah and at that time uh, we were running around listening to you know some of the country stars kind of were playing around <laughs> they get up and sing at Barbara's like Mark Chestnut and they would come around so anyway, um, at the time, I get up, and Steve Clark's on the back of the deck, and I said, well, play me your song, and it started out, at a table, four, two, with wine and candlelight, <laughs> you know, that ring burning a hole in my pocket, waiting for the right time, and then it goes, and I'll never forget the melody, he starts from, he was rough, he had a two-day-old beard, and he had been just really wrestling with this idea, and he, and he goes, you can't make a hard love somebody, And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to take it to George. He said, Yep, going straight to George. I said, Jones. He goes, Oh no, it's going to George Strait. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So, a year and a half down the road, I'm going down to Alabama to see my fiancee, and I'm listening to the radio. Of course, country music was in my ears 247. And he goes, We want to congratulate the king, George Strait, on his new number one record. And it starts playing a song, and I hadn't remember. it's been a year and a half since I heard the song on my back porch, and I started singing the song, and I just had to pull over and cry because I'm like, "Oh my God, this was written in my back deck." Really? You know, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Uh, and of course, I ended up being really good friends with Steve uh, and Johnny McRae because he wrote with another friend of mine, Mary Frances, who wrote "Whiskey" if you're a woman, and "Tonight the It's on Me," and she's actually right, in my office uh, this next week so she's one of my writers that come in and mentor my kids and uh you
0: so, you yeah. can't make a heart love somebody went to number one back in 1994 co-written by johnny yeah. johnny mccray and steve clark and didn't they have success with confederate railroad one of those two
2: they did uh uh and i'll tell you what other song they had success with uh better i want to say better off in a pine box okay i know steve co-wrote that yeah but him and johnny were just major writers they would you know but but Like I said, I was always, uh, I'll never forget, I heard a song, I was working for a songwriter who wrote Alibis, Randy Boudreaux, and he brought me into his office, he said, what do you think about this song? And he played it for me, and I said, and I looked at my arm, and it was goosebumps, Uh. and it was called Broken Heartsville. (laughs) And I said that's a hit. So every time he'd ride something, he'd bring me in there, you know. So uh he brought me in there one day. The first time I think it was was Friends and it was the song that John Michael cut and uh he had a kid had come up on a bicycle and uh knocked on the door and I was gone to get us lunch and he'd come in when I come in, the kid was still there and he had signed him right on the spot to a single song contract. But I mean that's the way it used to work in Nashville in the nineties, you know? They used to let people in to listen, you know, listen to songs and things like that, but you know, crime is taken over and it doesn't happen that way anymore but it's it still was a magical time back then but i come back and who played it for me i got goosebumps so yeah.
0: precious you cool. just need to let more people go in your backyard and hit records will follow <laughs> but don't do the opposite one time in 1993 i let you in my backyard and that didn't work out so good
2: <laughs> i know i know it was terrible yeah terrible.
0: nothing nothing too x-rated here folks i'm not trying to no, suggest no, that no. but yeah it uh a fun story we'll have to tell sometime off the air precious harris is talking to us from nashville country music usa and i don't want it to slip by us here precious you just mentioned how you got back from some kind of an event going on right now in the middle of december what are they celebrating in nashville right now
2: well i know it's not the loss of the predators uh, but uh uh, are you talking about sports or music
0: no music well sports not bad Uh, titans had an amazing win last thursday but i'm talking about uh, oh, con- country music that's another thing Nashville's known for
2: yeah well last night we uh last night we celebrated a cma country christmas airing and uh because it was pretty cool because i had like 20 people there at the taping of the show and it was just it's if you ever get a chance to do cma country christmas taping or be able to buy tickets to come to it it is such a magical show where is that it's, it was actually taped at the Opry House this year because okay. it was over. It was big enough. It was not as big as Bridgestone thing because they did it two nights in a row at Bridgestone. But the Opry House is more the sound. or just something about it when they do the Christmas and the stage is so much easier, you know, to move and do around, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway. Who all but, was on uh, that
0: star wise?
2: Oh, oh, for the CMA country Christmas. Yes, ma'am. It was uh, Reba was the biggest one. And then, of course, Brooks and Dunn. Uh, I tell you what everybody said. One of the best performances of the uh, of the night was uh, Reba and Kelsey. Uh, not Reba and Kelsey. That um, was the female. I have too many shows. Uh, uh Was uh, Reba singing uh, her song that she did for the CMA country Christmas. Oh, OK. But but Reba's I mean, she's always a favorite. She was so sweet to us. Uh, at the NSA uh, Hall of Fame, Fame Awards, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, anyway, but, uh, but, no, Reba is, she's so pleasant. She was walking right by, um, she was actually, of course, Dan and Shay too, but she was walking past us at the uh, National Songwriters Hall of Fame induction, and she literally stopped, and she had, you know, Ronnie Dunn and, and Brooks, Brooks and Dunn with her. They were walking to the stage, and, she goes, how y'all doing? And just look, because all my table was like 25 and under. You know, it was all really young uh, artists, songwriters. And she goes, how y'all doing? Y'all having a good time? And everybody was like, oh, my God, Reba's talking to us. And when she walked away, she was just, the kids go, oh, my God, I saw Reba in person. And I made me realize I'm sitting there thinking, oh, it's Reba. But on the other hand, just to see, it's like seeing Santa Claus <laughs> to the magic. You know, just seeing someone that you've seen all your life from the television and from other and just come right up almost to your table and say, y'all doing okay? <laughs> y'all having fun tonight? You know, and all the kids were like, they were like at all because their mouth just dropped. They couldn't say, all they could do was shake their head. Yes. There was no one word came out, you know?
0: And that was but on uh, Monday, Monday. And I think you had something on Tuesday night of this week too.
2: Tonight. Yeah. Tonight I had a national Service, uh No, I had NATD tonight. And that stands for last well. week. Uh, stands for National Association of Talent Directors. Ah, Last week was uh, National Songwriters Christmas Party and the Globe Songwriters Christmas Party.
0: Party, party, uh, party. Boy, can we trade jobs?
2: I know. Let me tell you. Somebody I saw last night at the CMA party said, I've had a party every night for like a week and a half here. And I'm thinking, you know what? It is, but I like, I mean, I've got invitations to things, but I just had responsibilities that I couldn't make Mm -hmm. it a priority. Um But anyway, but it is fun to do it because it's the only time that you really get to say, Hey, without saying, Hey, how you doing? Kiss on the cheek and you're gone. You know, you actually get to mingle and mix and see people. I saw a lady in seven years that was an uh, accountant and, sh- and um, everybody was coming up to me they said, I haven't seen you in such a long time. You doing okay. And how's your health? You know? And, but it was just so cool. It's like a family reunion. Yeah. But, uh, back to your question about uh, the CMA country Christmas, um, uh, Course, one of my favorite duos is Dan and Shay. Yeah, but um, anyway, but if you ever, I think I don't know if they're gonna have it uh again, uh, re repro- uh, aired again. I hope they do. I wish they do it on CMT, but of course, Britt Eldridge is amazing. But yeah, it was um, the uh, Reba Dominion, Dan and Shay, you know, and it was, of course, Martina always makes it wonderful, mm. wonderful.
0: I bet, but, uh. We're talking with Precious Harris and Precious is the author of I Know Country with 366 daily country music Q&As and that's available as a downloadable ebook perfect for Christmas i know country.com and Miss Precious is a music journalist and a music career development consultant with an emphasis on new and aspiring artists and songwriters. She also has a book out called The College of Songology 101 The Singer Songwriter's Need to Know Reference Handbook and that's available at college of songology Dot .com you can follow Precious's music blog at nashvillemusicline.com. We're not done with Precious when we come back, we're going to get her take on some passages of country music admirers and a member of the country music family. When we come back after this break, as we wrap up today's y'all show, talk with a very country music accent.
7: Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices and hems makes it extra affordable right now. Get your first month supply for free. All you pay is just $5 for your medical consultation. When you go to four slash today. After that, it's just 30 bucks for a month's supply. Sure beats paying big bucks for just one blue pill. Doesn't it? Plus you won't need an awkward in-person doctor's appointment to get the prescription. Hims has doctors online who can prescribe the medication, and a pharmacy sends it right to your door. It's affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to, and that's really good news. To get your first order for just five bucks, you need to go to this exclusive address: forhims.com/slash/today. That's forhims.com/slash/today for your first month for just five bucks. Forhymns.com slash today.
3: See website for full details. Not all services through the hymns platform are available in all fifty
6: states.
0: Beautiful Christmas song from Dolly Parton, Silent Night, here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. We're talking with Precious Harris. NashvilleMusicLine.com is the website. And she's a music journalist and a music career development consultant on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. And unfortunately, Precious, we know we're going to talk about President Bush's recent passing, a big country music fan. Get your take on that. But unfortunately, in the Parton family, Floyd Parton, the younger brother of Dolly Parton, passed away at the end of last week at the age of 61, and the legendary country music star put out a statement. It said, Dolly and the entire Parton family wish to thank everyone for their kindness. Yesterday, we laid our sweet baby brother to rest, and Dolly said that he lived a short life of love and beautiful songs. Floyd Parton, younger brother of Dolly, dead at the age of 61. What do you know about Floyd Parton?
2: Well, actually, I got to meet him many years ago. Okay, Uh, he was at the country radio seminar, and uh, and he had several people around that knew him. I guess from the East Tennessee radio people. Yeah, but uh, I do know, you know, that the Dolly and her family uh, are very, very close. She actually has had a special house built, big enough that uh, up in you know in East Tennessee. And when they all get together for Christmas, that it's big enough to house everybody for the table and the kitchen and stuff. Dolly told me that she had it specially built for her family, uh, for her so that they could have a special place to come and cook and come there the night before and fix dinner. She has a huge family, Yeah, you know? And, uh, anyway, but yeah, I hated to hear that about Dolly. Anytime you lose a sibling. And of course, Mr. Um, the, uh, former President George Bush Sr., I call him. He has a special place in my family's heart. Uh, my cousin uh, actually went to school at George Washington University in D.C. and actually met the, the President Bush before he was President Bush. Really? And, and yes. And when, um, and when Reagan was president, he nominated my cousin uh, to, to be a federal judge. He was the youngest federal judge ever nominated by a, a U.S. president. He was 37 years old and he ended up very much involved in politics and stuff. And he was going to run for Lieutenant governor of Kentucky when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Hmm. And um, he was on his, you know, doing his chemo and doing what he could do. And, uh, but Bush came to Kentucky with secret service in tow to spend one of his last days with my cousin before he died and took him out to a Louisville Cardinal baseball game and spent the day with him. So yeah, he's a very special man. So he, I mean, what you see, you can't just say enough nice things about him. And like I said, a friend of mine, Paul Martin, whose father-in-law is Dwayne Allen of the Oak Ridge Boys, if you want to see something that will bring tears to your eyes and just give you, fill your heart with happiness, because he was such a wonderful leader, uh, listen to the Oak Ridge Boys version of Amazing Grace at the funeral. It's amazing.
0: we played that on Friday of last week on the Y'all Show. We played, Precious, we played the Oak Ridge Boys from Houston where they performed that. And we also played Randy Travis's 1991 song, Point of Light, which was inspired by President Bush's Thousand Points of Light. hmm You remember that song, Point of Light? Oh, yes. And it ha- I- actually featured President Bush. I think it was filmed at the Grand Ole Opry House in Nashville, but he was in the audience kind of singing along and clapping along to, J- to Randy's version of that in the music video for Point of Light. Yeah,
2: as a matter of fact, uh, my husband... Was backstage at the Opry when Mister, uh, when President and Mrs. Bush were there oh. visiting, and he was standing there from a distance watching. A little girl pulled out an ink pen for him to sign um, a program or whatever he had, and he said, "Oh, that's okay." And he reached into his pocket and pulled out a Sharpie ah. and signed the picture. And Mike goes, "Wasn't it a great commercial for a Sharpie?" do you know, excuse, you know, hold your big. Let me pull out my Sharpie. Let me sign your picture. But he said it was just a perfect commercial if you ever wanted you know class and uh, someone well known to push your product it would have been a great one you know
0: yeah well of course one reason we talk about president george hw bush is he was a huge country music person and oh and, huge in the huge. twenty twenty five 25 years since he left office we really haven't seen a president embrace country music like he did now george w even his own son probably liked country music but george hw bush came to nashville hung out with the country music stars the oakridge boys went to maine on many cases they went up to kenny bunkport and went on vacations with the bush family
2: oh yes yes they were super close super close um yeah i'm uh yeah they are they have been friends i mean what but the music brought them together but they really were really true friends of the oakridge boys and stuff and
0: reba let's not leave reba out she was also at the funeral in houston last thursday yes,
2: yes yes and that's not for sure yeah it's um you know, it it makes me feel good because they they talk about country music has touched different lives. It definitely is has been a an anchor for the Bush family, from what I understand. From because yeah. I had a family attend the funeral.
7: Yeah. Um,
2: but uh, did you on um, back of uh, Dolly's brother? You know, she gets the notification that she's going to be honored at the 2019 you know Person of the Year Music Cares and at, at the Grammys in February. I think it's going February the eighth. Or ninth, anyway, I think it's eighth. Anyway, uh, but she got found out that announcement, and then, and then her brother passed away. So she had really good, you know, a wonderful thing about her career, and then her brother passing away. So that's got to be a roller coaster, you know, a ride to be knowing that you're getting an award for a, a, a Grammy is the Person of the Year, and then you lose your brother.
0: Yeah, so Floyd did a little. Floyd did did some singing, but he's really most famous. For co writing some songs. He he wrote the song Rocking Years, which was a big hit for Dolly and Ricky Van oh, yeah. Shelton. So mm-hmm. so he had a songwriting career there as well. Now, speaking of Dolly Precious, you probably have been seeing the information that came out about this movie on Netflix that appeared last week for the first time, Dumplin, a song yes. that's all about Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I interviewed her actually. Um uh, uh you know, Linda Perry actually produced that. Okay. And, uh, but they were at the music biz conference last year she's up for producing actually the movie and the song. Okay. So, uh, but it's, uh, it's a it's, I cannot wait to see it. I, I saw it. But about it. You did? How yeah. Did you it, like it?
0: I've got, I've got a mixed review on it. The first 30 minutes of the, sh- of the film. And it came out on Netflix only. If you're looking for it in the movie theater, not going to be there, but it came out last Friday, I think. And I saw the first 30 minutes and I fell asleep. Precious i fell asleep no. so that, that's not a very good sign but i gave it a second chance so the next day i watched it and i cried and i watched the whole thing and it was a good movie i'll give it credit it was a it's a chick flick i'll be honest with you it's it's certainly <laughs> more for women than men but because of the dolly connection i did watch it and it's got a positive story and and, and really the name comes from a young lady whose nickname was dumpling she's in high school her mother played by jennifer aniston in the movie gave her that nickname it's really kind of about an obese girl going through the teenage years and the struggles with that so it's got a good good message and a a really cool movie when it's all said and done so overall i'll give it a thumbs up but i did have to watch it over the course of
2: two nights yeah well see now linda it was odd you know when you put those two together dolly really doesn't write a lot with other people so to put those two together, I'm not for sure the backstory because I was listening, but I was in such awe of, of the way Dolly was and her and Linda were interviewing us like, it was like freaking frack. I mean, oil and water. But they blended very well together because on interview, you got Linda very business like, very focused in her hat and, you know, straightforward. And she looks like she's got Native American uh, ethnic, ethnicity. And then you've got Miss Dolly who's full of bubbly energy and blonde and them on stage. It was just a, a, all to watch them both. But, but Linda actually... Uh, just one, um, did not win. I'm sorry, but she got a nomination for a uh, girl in the movies, the the thing that she co wrote with Dolly that appears in Dublin. But she did get a Golden Globe nomination. But if you've listened to Pink or Christina Aguilera or Gwen Stefani or Lisa mm-hmm. Keys, you've heard Linda Perry's music there. So for her to dip in across the pond, so to speak, into total country, yeah. you know, um, it was a very unique, uh, up, and it turned out to be something really, really great. So I got a feeling that we're not going to hear the last of them two yeah. uh, collaborating and
0: Linda Perry first became known as a lead singer and primary songwriter of four non-blondes. Yes. So that yes. may be how some people, not, not necessarily a country artist, but teaming up to do some work with Dolly Parton. Again, that Netflix film is called Dumplin', D-U-M-P-L-I-N apostrophe, it's got to do with Texas and beauty pageants and and all that. Again, it's a chick flick, but, hey, guys, take one for the team and watch it with your lady friends, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And, and, again, it it kind of supports Dolly in a, in a certain way. Precious, you're my dumpling. You are my elf, and you're a special angel here as we get ready for Christmas. And I have to say, Precious, they always say about you that you're very elfish. And you, you know what they say about me, Precious?
2: I don't know. I'm only five foot tall, so I take that as a compliment. Yeah,
0: they say you're Elfish, but they say I'm selfish.
2: No, no, no. Well, you can call me Elvis. <laughs> Robert, uh, I found out what Blake Shelton's doing with Elvis uh, on February the 17th. What's Woo-hoo! he doing? What's he
0: doing? Tell us.
2: He's, he's hosting an all-star uh, tribute to my man who's in my office. It looks like Elvis and Pepto Bismol had a baby in my mm-hmm. office. Yeah, so I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Elvis. The show will mark the fifth course. I did a story in the Germany Country Music Magazine about it Yeah. on uh, International Country Music News my on the blog there, but it marks the fifth anniversary of Elvis Presley's 1968 comeback special. Mm. And uh, I did try to find out, I called a friend of mine that works at his booking agent. He said, they've got people tentatively coming, but the lineup will not be announced for a bit. So I'm like, well, booger.
0: Well, Precious, anyway, what are we paying you the big bucks for? This is the kind of stuff we need to know.
2: I know, but I mean, I'm like, oh, can you give me a little hint? He goes, no, because uh, it's got to be that political lineup that you got to send it out to the, you know, to the Majors. But he said, I will. I guarantee you it's probably going to be at least a couple of his buddies on Warner Brothers' label, I'm uh, just saying. Okay. But Maybe. the, the Maybe. comeback special did air, though. The original one that they tweaked it, made it look really pretty, like sort of in Technicolor, modern-day digital. It aired December the 3rd. But, you know, I, I can't help it. I mean, I could watch Elvis – from loving you all the way to change of habit and be completely happy and not even blink
0: i got a question for you: is miranda lambert on the warner brothers label <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know i'm like i'm like oh thank god Ma-
0: maybe she'll appear like on this elvis special she likes elvis and you like elvis wait, so hey love elvis no. good stuff good I mississippian love- love elvis all right precious we won't be talking to you until the new year so you and your family have a wonderful christmas and a happy new year thank you for everything you've done on the y'all show in 2018 and hope santa claus brings you plenty of gifts and all your creatures there in your home are rewarded handsomely over the holidays thank you so much love you and merry christmas merry
2: christmas dear bye-bye all right
0: precious harris everybody well that will wrap up today's y'all show hey we got some good stuff coming your way on the Thursday Y'all Show. We're going to talk to Auburn insider Taylor Jones about the Auburn football team, how things went in 2018, not so great, but they're going to a bowl. And we'll also discuss the top 10 Auburn basketball team with Taylor Jones in our SEC spotlight on Thursday. And also, book lovers, you're in luck, Stephen Usri is going to join us, and he is the host of Book Talk, which airs in Memphis and on WYPL-FM radio and he's going to come on and give us a whole lineup of great books all over the South that are written that you should check out for Christmas. We'll have all that, a book spotlight, and an Auburn Tiger spotlight on the Thursday, y'all. You don't want to miss it. Until that time, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with a southern accent. Gold Bond salutes
5: all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs. Squeaky stairs and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything except dry, cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad, man. Say hello to Goldbond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough, cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Goldbond Crack Skin Cream. Find it in first aid at CVS.